Oh, baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Do 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 They're calling again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to We're Not Listening, a Frazier recap podcast from me, local broadcast legend Nick Francomano, and of course, Molly Shea, performance art. I don't know. Superstar. <laughs> Welcome to the program, everyone. On this Frasier Recap podcast, we're going to be taking you all the way back through every single episode of the seminal 1990s sitcom, Frasier. And what a beautiful rainy day to start this venture out on. Okay, well, Molly, it's not a visual medium. There's no way for the people to know that it's raining here as we're recording well, the podcast. Well, I, I think it's auspicious. I agree. It's We're down here in Los Angeles. Of course, the show takes place in the beautiful city of Seattle. And now we have a little bit of that Seattle feeling. We're here. We've got our Starbucks coffees. And we've got a rainy weather outside. And it just, you know, it feels like we really could be living in the world of Frasier. Yeah, I am I have a Nervosa coffee. I don't have a Starbucks coffee. Well, well, we'll just have to make believe, won't we? We'll just have to make believe. And hopefully you out there in our listening audience will find that you've had your imaginations unlocked by the power of podcasting as we take you on this Frasier-themed journey down memory lane. Okay, so I guess, how should we introduce this? Well, Molly, it was your idea to do this podcast, so why don't you tell us all a little bit about, you know, what inspired you to want to recap Frasier for the listening public? Well, I feel like everyone has been going through Netflix fatigue now that we're all in quarantine and during pandemic times. So I was thinking, should I watch another show? Should I do therapy? Should I get a new hobby? And then I realized, no, I'll just watch Frasier all over again. And you feel like Dr. Crane, Frasier, the radio psychiatrist to the people of 1990 Seattle. Do you think that that helped you? We're going to find out. We'll see if it will prevent me from having a you know mental collapse. Obviously, we'll have to talk about, on every episode, all of the different callers that call in with their problems, how the problems of the people of Seattle not just you know are an effective plot device on the program of the show, but mirror the problems that we all have in our own daily lives. Yeah, and we're going to look at those problems and just not listen to them with the same enthusiasm of Dr. Fraser Crane. Yes, it's true. I think we should say, I should say, in my opinion, Fraser is a great television show, but Fraser is actually a terrible therapist. Fraser and Niles are terrible therapists, and, and we'll get into that. I mean, you when you know he always picks up the phone and he says, you know, Dr. Crane here, I'm listening. That's his thing. But then... So, Maybe this is what all therapists do. I don't want to get into an anti-therapy thing, but then he makes it all about himself because he's always just talking about what's happening in the episode. Yeah. So yeah. no, like you could be going through a very serious personal and emotional crisis out there in 1990s Seattle, and then you call in to Dr. Crane. You say, Dr. Crane, I want to jump off a bridge. And then he says, oh, I'm having a fight with my brother. Yeah. Uh, well, you I know. feel like that's really the quality of, you know, Frazier is he is not listening, and that's the irony in his own catchphrase. 
Yeah, but you know, the show goes out of its way to really show you that he is a, a great guy. You know, he's always, you know, he's always <laughs> learning. Cool. He's emotionally improving. Well, why do you think all these beautiful women want to sleep with him every week? It's I mean, because he's of a- the robes. It's because of the robes that you get to wear okay. afterwards. And see, now you're making it personal because you know this about me, and the I listening, don't know the this listening about audience you. does not. But I am a robe aficionado myself. Well, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of points of you know defensiveness with you and Fraser Crane in general yes I like to think of myself as more of a Martin Crane Fraser's father the cantankerous Seattle ex-police officer uh, who was shot in the hip and, and I, s- puts an ugly armchair into Fraser's living room uh, well you have an ugly couch so that's a step I have a beautiful couch thank right. you well I don't know where I align in the Fraser sphere I'm somewhere between Daphne and Roz I'd like to think Okay, well, let's get it started. Let's talk about the first episode of Frasier. What's what's the title of the episode? Is it the Good Son? I wrote down something. I, I think, think it, it is the, the Good, good Son. son. I, we probably I should have taken notes too. I wrote it down. But I think it's probably better if we experience Frasier the way that the listening audience experiences Frasier, which is vaguely remembered, vaguely remembered at best. <laughs> I you watched know, it yesterday, so hopefully. I watched it yesterday too, and it kind of sank into me and and went through me. You know, I feel like I exist within the gestalt of Fraser, certainly. And what a tight pilot! First of all, it is applause a t- it to is, the writer. Well, it introduces us to the world of Fraser Crane. I think in the beginning he comes in and he says he describes his his situation on the radio. One of the many ways that Fraser is a terrible therapist. Some person calls in and he says, you know. Nobody listens to me. And of course, this is the first joke in the show. Frazier just doesn't listen to him. Yeah, he talks so long about his current state of affairs that he gets cut off. Yeah. You know what? I should say this now in the first episode because I don't know if it's, you know, going to bother people listening, if it's going to impact my credibility with the Frazier fan community. But I never watched Cheers. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I tried to watch Cheers because I love Frasier so much. As a completist, yeah. And I had a very hard time. But I do like that they're trying to bridge this universe by saying it's six months after the, the Cheers verse. Yeah. The Cheers verse. The yes. Cheers verse. Verse. The with Cheers Lilith. cinematic universe. But how old is this place, Freddy? Freddie Fraser's son. Yeah. I don't know. They kind of gloss over that. I think there are important continuity changes from Cheers to Fraser. Right. Uh, But I just want to say now, for everybody listening out there, you're probably asking yourself, you know, is this the podcast for me? Is this what I should be listening to? No, we're not listening. Well, we're not listening to them. Obviously, there's no way for us to hear them. So that's perfect. But as the show goes on, I think we probably should add a call-in feature. So those of you listening out there in podcast land, get ready. You know, maybe we'll work out a way you can leave us a little voicemail with your own personal problems, and we won't listen to them, and we'll just talk about our own lives instead, <laughs> uh, which is what Frazier would do. Yeah. And that's the caliber of, of therapeutic care. And if it's honestly, if your problem is a real bummer, you know, don't give it to us. Like, keep it light. Please keep it light. Or I don't want it. Hyper dramatic and terrible. Realize we're not going to help you. Yeah, it's not going to help. But I mean, just people out there, I want them to know that unlike Frazier, I'm not here to represent myself as a substitute for actual psychiatric attention. You know, if, if you if you're out there and you're going through a dark place, as many people are out there in quarantine land. You well, know, don't tell us. Yeah. All right, folks. Let's move on. Let's get into the episode here before you. Before you decide I'm too terrible a person to take phrase your criticism from, let's move on with the show. 
Okay, so we 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 started the show off pretty strong. Roz comes in, Fraser comes in. They're all kind of well. We meet Fraser, we meet Roz. We get that they have a jokey dynamic. We see that Roz is a low key cutie, and that maybe there's a little romantic potential coming up for that. I I don't think she's low key. She's a tigress. Well, she's like a '90s uh, you know business cash. Right. That's all sort of toned down. I think I want to say also. I want to interject here that the fashions of Fraser are really incredible. And I hope that we can bring back kind of baggy olive suits. I will say this is the worst that Fraser ever looks. Oh, yeah. In the pilot, he has kind of... He's bald on top, naturally, as Kelsey Grammer is, but they've got him with sort of an Art Garfunkel... Skullet. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. And I'm glad they ditched that as the series went on. But then let's see. What else do we find out? We find out he's... You know, they hang out at the coffee shop. We meet Niles. We find out that Niles is a real battle axe of a wife, Maris. We hear all about... And uh, Niles is also a therapist and looks down on Fraser's, I guess, broadcast therapy, uh, you know... Yes, Niles, Niles has the objectively correct opinion about Fraser's therapy practice. And so basically, uh, Niles introduces the problem at hand that their father, Martin, um, has hip problems and probably can no longer live alone anymore. Because their father is a heroic first responder, this podcast, by the way, salutes America's heroes. So if you're one of these crunchy pinkos, tune out now. I'm a crunchy pinko, so we have balance. (laughs) All right. Well, our heroic... Our heroic officer Martin Crane, wounded in the line of duty. I mean, carry on. I'm not you gonna, were so, you I'm were not gonna so ACAB Martin Crane though. <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, is it copaganda? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Is this yeah. is this program copaganda? We don't know yet. I don't think. But is Frazier canceled? It, it, and here's Frazier I mean, totally would be canceled. Well, Frazier literally was canceled 20 years ago. But, uh, doom. See, that was a little joke. Please try to. <laughs> Please try to uh, keep up with me here. All right. Okay. Right. Okay. But, you know, is Frazier canceled in the contemporary sense because his dad is a cop, his roommate is a cop, uh, or for sex reasons? Ooh. Or just like how everyone except for maybe the waitress at Cafe Nervosa is white. Isn't there an episode where he puts a giant American flag on the side of the building because he wants to get like his Iranian neighbor to move out. Oh, I mean, there's some we're pretty... going to enter some territory. Yeah, we sure. went we just kind of went straight outside the bounds here. Going back to the plot. We're taking the gloves off, I guess. This is not a snowflake friendly <laughs> Fraser recap podcast, all right, people? This is going to come at you with the politically incorrectness of 1990s Fraser. Um, so Going back to the plot, Niles is telling Fraser that, oh, well, you know, Martin can't live by himself alone. Maybe we should put him in a home. And the he says that the uh, motto of the home is, we care so that you don't have to. I like that. That's a, I mean, that's a classic Fraser joke. That's got all of, that's the Fraser spirit in a nutshell. It's sort of a low-key chuckler, and you just have to kind of skate by on the Crane Brothers' aristocratic delivery. Yeah, and of course this sends uh, Fraser into a semi-guilty spiral, and Niles uh, sets up the situation where he cannot um, house Martin Crane because he and Maris, uh, well, but Maris doesn't get along with Martin. Right. Well, Maris doesn't get along with anybody, and there's my favorite joke from this scene is actually, you know, at the end of it they reach some kind of compromise, or what you know, the plot moves on, and then. 
Fraser says to his brother, I could hug you. And then Niall says, you know what mom always used to say? A handshake is as good as a hug. So now we're kind of introduced really into the mental state of the Fraser brothers where they were starved from maternal affection. That's why Niles is with this really awful woman whom we never see, but a really spiritually and, and mentally terrible person. And also, what a great motto for um, the pandemic. A handshake is as good. Well, you're not supposed to shake no, hands no, either. Uh, an elbow bump is just as good as a hug. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, well, let's move on. Okay, fine. Um, so then the next chapter is the father. Um, and that is when Martin Crane is introduced and he, uh, is brought by Niles into Frazier's apartment. Yes. And well, this is, I think this kind of leads nicely and, and you see how all of the kind of thematic threads are woven together really nicely is we've been introduced to Fraser and Niles' uh, dynamic in the last scene. And we really see that their mother, who died before the series begins, were meant to understand that she was of a much higher social standing than their father, Martin Crane, who was a lowly police detective, right? And so they're all kind of, Fraser and Niles are, have these pretensions of belonging to, you know, the cream of Seattle society, but are really kind of still inhabit the, the mind space of their father's, you know, blue, more blue, blue collar, collar level. And so... I mean, a lot of the humor derives from that. Though. Well, basically, they're kind of split spirits because they should be, you know, completely pretentious all the time, but they have kind of an eyesore of a, a family relation that's blue class. Yeah. Or blue, blue collar, collar. Whatever. Yeah. Well, and I guess they're drawn into that aristocratic world, you know, to go to give it a Freudian reading because their mother was not affectionate with them as children. Right. You know, they're trying to replace that maternal affection with going to the opera and with, in Fraser's case, betting all these extremely beautiful women. Um, that's a recurring theme on the show. It doesn't happen in the pilot, but it's like, you know, how many Playboy bunnies have been in Fraser? That's what I want to look at. At least, you know, one of the women that Fraser winds up with was in real life was a Playboy bunny. Oh, yeah. Before there's she was a, on the show. A lot, a lot of ladies in Fraser's life. I guess. You know, I never watched Cheers, so that's one thing. I also never watched Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, so I never kind of got the 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 deep dive on the Grammar family life, the Kelsey Grammar's extended family life. Oh, I haven't either. So I, I don't really know if he was a, you know, a, a real ladies' man in real life. I feel I like he is. I expect I, I so. I he's an alcoholic and a ladies' man. Yeah, well, you know, being bald is a sign of very Virility. high testosterone, and that's what kills the follicles, so... Yeah, you want to get yourself a man with a lot of body hair and no head hair. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So basically, Martin is cantankerous about moving in and feels like a burden and therefore is kind of snippy about moving in to the uh, to Frazier's apartment. And Niles immediately leaves to go to a dysfunctional family meeting uh, and leaves them together in the apartment alone. Oh, that's a little zinger. That's a little zinger that he goes out on because they, of course, have a big dysfunctional family. I mean, you know, these jokes don't need to be spelled out because they're really so nice, but <laughs> I will I will spell them out for you, our dear listening audience. Because a podcast is really, you know, a parasocial experience that you, in isolation, get to pretend that Molly and I are your friends, much like how... We pretend that we're each other's friends. <laughs> Whoa, zing. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. All right. No, I was going to say, like, you know, the people of Seattle in the 1990s pretend that Fraser is their therapist. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think that the, the first issue 
that Martin and Fraser have is over decor, and I feel like I roasted you on uh, your couch The decor selection. of my own home. Yes, uh, I have a beautiful sofa, and I want all of you listening out there to imagine the most beautiful sofa that you've ever seen. And then burn it, because <laughs> Nick didn't buy it. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, Fraser, I mean, this is a good segue, because Fraser describes in painful detail to his father, who could not care less, his uh, interior decorating philosophy. And this is, I mean, we get this intro to Fraser's apartment, which is, you know, I don't want to be cliche here, but really a character in the show in its own way. We get to see Fraser. He's playing the baby grand that he has in there. You see the Space Needle out the background, which, in fact, there are no buildings in Seattle that have that view of the Space Needle. That's made up for the show, just so it seems more like Seattle. And then you see he has all of these bizarre sculptures in the, you know, you can't you can't really see into the powder room that he has off the living room, but you can see, and Daphne mentions it, that there's erotic Japanese art inside of it. Um, and Fraser explains that his decorating style is eclectic, as is mine. You know, and not, I would say mine as well. My, you know, the pieces that I have in my home are not necessarily, you know, all the same style, but I think because they're all of exceptional quality, they blend together. So in that respect, Fraser and I are 1000% on the same page. Yeah. So the first issue that comes to play is um, Martin wants to bring in his armchair which is this ugly, filthy... Well, also a character on the show in its own yeah, right. Yeah, I you know, and it, it so really, much drama. It, well, it represents, you know, this conflict inside of the Fraser Bros personalities themselves. You know, Do that you they... think it represents toxic masculinity? No. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I think... Comfortable honest, masculinity? I would say that the, the real conflict on the show, you know, it doesn't play out in the, you know, in, in that... Um, mental framework. It plays out in this kind of the the real toxic elements of the Fraser brothers' personalities come from, you know, their striving to be part of you know high society, to be snobs. And the chair, to me, kind of represents this core of goodness that the venal elites of Seattle never really take away from the Fraser brothers, because sort of. You know, inside the penthouse, there is still the armchair. And one of the, I mean, it's one the of the- reminder of the past. Well, it's not the reminder of the past. It's what, it's the, it's the good, solid core of their personality. That even though they have these, you know, these affectations, affectations and, you know, yeah. the, the real, you know, crane heart is still a virtuous blue collar heart uh, in a way. And so that's, I mean, to me, that's the significance of the chair. And I think, you know, it's introduced beautifully that, you know, Frazier fears this part of himself. He wants it out of there, you know, uh, but, you know, he can't, he winds up not being able to get rid of it. And then, you know, Daphne kind of plays the same role in the show as well. That Daphne is a working class from the north of England and, you know. the Also kind of embarrassing. And yeah. And so the big, you know, romantic conflict in the show for several seasons is that Niles is married to this horrible, you know, aristocratic woman, but in love with the working class Daphne. Because, you know, the, the good part of himself is, you know, drawn to his, you know, his kind of more relatable class origin. So what the, you know, the kind of ideological project of the Frasier sitcom is, you know, it kind of plays out on those emotional axes. 
Um, and I feel like I can relate to a lot of the dynamics uh, in their, I guess, tug and pull of class, you know, because like my, my mom's an opera singer, but and my father does practical effects makeup, but it's kind of a blue collar job. So I often, you know, like to laugh at these opera jokes, but, you know, I'm kind of a... There are a lot of opera jokes on the program. Yeah, I love them. So along with the chair comes my next favorite character. Eddie? Eddie! Eddie the dog. This is the first... Is this Eddie the dog in the pilot? Is the same Eddie as the Eddie... Well, there's like at least three Eddies over the course of the show. Right. But is the one from the pilot the same one? I, I think there's nobody gets recast from the pilot to the next episode. So that's, I mean, that's unusual in its own way. Yeah, and I feel like the 90s were a hot moment for Jack Russell Terriers with, like, Wishbone and all that's, of that stuff. That's a very in-breed of dog. And I think, you know, I, I hesitate to speculate what the sort of dog on a sitcom would be now. Maybe a Shiba Inu, you know, a little doge. Yeah, um, doji. But well, the 90s were definitely Jack Russell time. I mean, there was the RCA dog, you know, gets his ears blown back. I think that's a Jack Russell. Um, you know, the Target dog was a Jack Russell Terrier, I want to say. So we're of an era of Jack Russell Terriers. Well, the Jack the Target dog was some kind of Terrier. Spuds McKenzie, I mean, technically that's not a, that's not a Jack Russell. That is a Terrier, a Bull Terrier. Spuds McKenzie, the, the party dog, the beer party dog. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, well, there in the 1990s, in the 80s and 90s, there was like a cool dog who would wear sunglasses and Hawaiian shirts. And I can't remember what kind of beer he was advertising, but he was a beer dog. Yeah, I, that's beyond me. I don't know. Um, my favorite joke about Eddie is when Martin uh, introduces the dog to Daphne, who I guess we should give a proper introduction to. We really to. should give a proper introduction so to basically, Daphne. With the dog coming along, with the chair, with Martin, Martin basically uh, makes it known that maybe he's going to need extra help more than what Fraser can provide on a day-to-day basis. So they go looking for a... A home health aid. We get a kind of introduced at the end part of the uh, audition spectrum, so we don't get to see any of the other maids beforehand. But Daphne comes in as sort of the last person to arrive, and she's from Manchester. Yes, she's from Manchester, England. She has a lot of working-class British affectations, and she really has, you know, terrible etiquette. That's what it is, is that Fraser is so correct in his bearing, and he's looking for someone like that. And what draws Marty to Daphne is she comes in and she starts saying all the wackiest shit imaginable. She, she pulls hits, out her resume that's crumpled at the bottom yeah, of her purse. She's got a handwritten resume in the bottom of her purse. She tells him that she's psychic, but she's only psychic when she's on her period, which I thought was a daring joke for the time that this episode was right? made. I'm surprised that they went menstrual. And yeah, she was like, uh, I guess I revealed a secret. You know, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was. It was pretty funny. I mean, you know, you may hear me over the course of this recap podcast, dear listeners. You may hear me criticizing Fraser in different ways or, you know, criticizing the the broad uh, concept of the 1990s sitcom. But Fraser is a very funny show. It gets me chuckling. I, I can't deny that it loud. gets me chuckling. And I know I'm, I'm cracking up and I'm, you know, in my house alone, but I was laughing. I don't think you have to be crazy to like Fraser. 
Me neither. But it helps. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) So now now I can introduce my favorite joke is um, when Martin introduces Eddie to Daphne and he says, this is Eddie Spaghetti. And uh, Daphne says, oh, does he like pasta? And uh, Martin Crane, of course, says, no, uh, it's because he's got worms, which is, you know, she handles that so well. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the show, you know, it's got this tempo of jokes that I think comes right from kind of uh, British stage comedy. You know, it is very stagey. And it's got that tempo of jokes. And, you know, obviously the, the Fraser boys, the Crane brothers, it doesn't come up in this episode, but they love Gilbert and Sullivan. And I think the the tempo, the pacing of the jokes, a lot of the style of the humor comes right from sort of British stage comedy. Yeah, like I was so surprised at how fast this breezed by, how tight all the introductions were. You got a really good sense of how people interacted with each other. Yeah. Everything gets set up so well. They got Roz, they got Daphne, and we got to see, this is something that I wanted to mention, because I am, you know, in in another life, I am on the radio here in Los Angeles, and, you know, Frasier shows what it's like to be live. And I like doing this podcast, and I like, you know, that all of you out there can hear the sound of my beautiful voice. But it's really an incredible feeling to be live on air. And, you know, there's a scene where Fraser is, you know, rushing in because he's going to be late. You know, they have the callers coming in. And I think they really depict that, you know, they depict the feeling of being on the radio pretty well. You know, and I, I, I appreciate the show for that. I've got to say, that's a it's, little it's aside. realism. I don't know if I'd say it's realism. It's it's really not very realistic. Because no one knows the sensation except for live broadcasters. No, not really. I mean, nobody does. Nobody yeah. does. You know, I'm, I'm a morning guy. Well, and I like to have people, you know, I got the phones lighting up. I miss that. I That's what's driving me crazy. I can't wait till uh, we get introduced to more people at the uh, the radio station, too. Uh, the Bulldog. I love the Bulldog. Love the Bulldog. That's kind of who I am on the radio is the Bulldog. So yeah. of the people that I am on the show, I guess I would say that Fraser is my ego, and Martin is my super ego, and the bulldog is my id, to use a kind of psychological metaphor. I would say my rising sign is Roz, my moon is Daphne Moon. Of course. And um, what is it? My rising sign is probably probably Niles. You're a Niles rising. Yeah. You're not okay. Wait, no, I'm more of a Martin Rising. You're a Martin Rising. Yeah, I think I'm probably like a like a Niles, like I don't know. Yeah, maybe you've got your Saturn in the house of Niles. Exactly. Yes. It's there, but it's not. You can't you can't tell until I you know throw down some snobbery that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. What are we leaving out from this episode? Is the joke that, or not the joke, but the anecdote that Roz tells Fraser to get him to, kind of open up to his father again. Right. About this movie star Lupe Velez who attempts to regain her moment in the spotlight by committing suicide in a spectacular fashion this is honestly pretty fucked up stuff to be saying on TV and yeah. now that I'm thinking about it, yeah I mean, I mean it went kind of hard for well it's something that, it's something that you couldn't do now she also pronounces this as loopy loopy yeah little Latin loopy Lou uh <laughs> it's a beautiful song but uh, it's got that, and then it's got the suicide angle, which is pretty raw, and then it ends on this really horrific scatological note where Lupe's plans to you know, commit suicide are, she succeeds in killing herself, but she like vomits and shits herself to death 
because she had a big plate of enchiladas before she took all the sleeping pills. And it's like, could you say that on TV now? Can we say that on a podcast now? I feel like I've already said a lot of stuff that yeah. is going to get us canceled. So Yeah. Well, I mean, I've definitely heard of crime podcast about her, but it's kind of a Is raw Lupe Velez a real story? Yeah, you don't know that. I did not know that. Yeah. No, I thought it was a little I thought it was a little chuckler for the show. No, no. Oh. She wanted to leave behind a beautiful corpse, and so she like painstakingly planned her suicide, but as they say, the the road to hell is paved with good intentions and you know. Oh, well, if it's a true story, then you could do it. Okay, well, yeah. then we're fine. So if it's a true story, then it's fine. So everybody who was out there about to start writing angry letters to this podcast, keep, now you can stop. Keep coming. Coming. <laughs> no, don't write an angry letter. We're coming up towards the end of the program here. So we really do need to, to get to the, the sentimental clencher of the end, end of the episode. Yeah, of course. So well, please, please introduce it because it is a beautiful moment. The way, the way that they have the reconciliation come between Fraser and his father quite quite lovely so we're back at the station Roz has just told us this horrifying story and ends it with well you're never gonna forget Lupe you now you know good luck and so Frazier's going back into uh listening to callers come in and who should call but Martin from Seattle and this is when uh Martin basically talks to Frazier about how He's still very grateful that Frazier is bringing him into his home. And you have kind of a heartwarming moment where they're both able to communicate things that maybe, you know, face to face they couldn't do. No, mediated through the magic of radio. Yes. And that, I think, is another strength of Frazier is as goofy as we get, as wild as we get, there's still a lot of kind of heartwarming, sentimental moments. Yeah. That it's frankly kind of surprising. Yeah, and it doesn't play as too schmaltzy. No. No, it, they, they hit the tone just right. You know, I've got to say there's a lot to admire about the show. There's a reason this show was so successful. It's a great program. And I think that if this show was made now, they would really be hitting you over the head with it, and it would be horrible. Oh, I mean, they would put a bunch of dumb stuff in it. I mean, there's dumb stuff in Fraser, but they would they would make it extra dumb oh, if yeah. they did it today. I, I don't think we just, I don't think we have people who are literate enough to create and enjoy Fraser anymore. Call me old fashioned. <laughs> but I think that, you know, the the sensibility of Fraser, the show itself is like Fraser. It's caught between, you know, being a primetime sitcom, being this kind of popular art form and, you know, showing you or being drawn to this world of high culture and this world of, you know, kind of elite society. I don't know if you could do that in a sitcom now. Maybe they say we're in the, the quote unquote the golden age of television where every show now is, you know, like a gritty a gritty expose or like, oh, you thought these were the good guys. Well, let me show you how they were the bad guys the whole time or whatever. You know, th that's every show now. Or like there's no good guys. There's no bad guys anymore. You know, tune into Homeland next week. Tune into whatever, you know, and, and you know, they would do something dumb like that with Frasier. I don't want the. You know, I don't want the Christopher Nolan Fraser. No. I don't want the Dark Knight Fraser. No. And I think that that's why I don't like a lot of those, you know, DC movies anymore because everyone's just has a troubled past. And what I like about Fraser is he's sort of a bumbling idiot, but has still has a heart of gold. So you can't always get that upset with him. And he anything. certainly does have a troubled past. I mean, he's divorced. It's, you know, he's living on the other side of the country from his beloved son, Frederick. 
And I feel... Oh, great name for the boy. Great name. I know. Frederick. Frederick. Frederick Crane. And, and Lilith. Another wonderful name. Well, you I know, know... it's from the Cheers verse, but I still like the, it. You know, the Crane boys are drawn to these horrible succubi. These ice boxes. Yeah. Yes. And I guess, you know, Lilith is a perfect name for that. And they do make a joke about that, too. They're like, I think he says at one point in time, oh, yes, the crane men and their taste in women. They sur- they'll, Yeah, they sure know how to marry them, not how to pick them. But I think, you know, contained within that is this sort of subtle insult to their d- deceased mother because they're saying it to their father, who is oh, also yeah, a crane boy. Part of that. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah. It runs. It runs no, there's the a whole edible thing. I mean, the show's about psychotherapy in a way. So obviously it has this edible current. So I think in future episodes, after you know we wrap up our our uh, summary, this is where we would want to talk to people about whatever problems they're thinking about. And we would apply Fraser-like advice to your own miserable lives. Yeah, yes. we can talk over your problems and just talk about how bad our days are. Talk about ourselves, but do send them in and do keep it light. I mean, I, I don't want to hear... I, I, if it's really we bad, I know uh, you're yeah. going through it. So just pretend you're not. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Same. <laughs> I'm keeping a tight lid on it for America's sake, people. Yeah, I feel like now is the time to really push those emotions into a small box mm-hmm. and open that box when you're in a retirement home. Yeah. You know, or never on. open or it. Never open or it. never open it. Chain it up. Mariana Trench it. <laughs> way down deep and on that note it's this, been real this has been we're not listening <laughs> we're, am i supposed to meet up with you on that let's do it one more time okay. we're, we're not, not listening. listening we're not listening the fraser recap podcast from molly shay and me nick francomano until next time uh, see you later yeah, yeah whatever we don't have an yet. outro <laughs> see you later bye. people. bye <laughs>